ESPN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. And take a look at the markets today. Kind of felt that mixed type of feel, especially on the grain side. Hogs as well, though. We saw lower numbers for them while the cattle took the uptick. We're going to talk later on about what's happening in the protein sector. But first and foremost, what's going on with this latest weather? And then we're going to talk a customer survey as to what has happened with yield estimates for August. Getting the details today with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. And you and I were talking before we started this program. Overnight temps, Omaha, Nebraska set a new uh, record high, which is our record, you know, was like 84, 85 degrees at five o'clock this morning. You as well said it definitely have seen um, higher temperatures in your neck of the woods. Does not bode well for these both grain of corn and soybeans. No, it really doesn't. I was driving to work this morning between 6.30 and 7, looking at the temperature in my car and it's 85 degrees. Anytime you get up above 65 degrees you start being detrimental for corn fill and it that plant doesn't have a chance to rest and it starts having a negative impact on yield so it's something we have to watch we saw that be a real problem in 2010 and to some extent in 2011 um, ending up giving a smaller seed size, which of course ends up as small as lower yield then so that's something we're going to have to watch uh and see now fortunately it looks like we're going to get some breaks in the temperature it's not going to be just consistently hot like it has been we're going to have a few cool fronts come through and periodically give us a breaks but overall we're going to average warmer than normal for both daytime highs and nighttime lows as well with below normal rainfall pretty much in the western ag belt and that just adds stress where we don't need stress right now it really does. Now, the question is, how is that going to translate overall into the impact on the national yield? I know that we have some areas of the country now that have some very big problems with the crops and where they can't even make silage out of it. There's not enough there to make it worth it to pay the fuel cost. I, I, real, I realize that. We have some of that every year in some part of the country, it seems. But when you look at the national crop, we also have some very good crops. And as a whole, not everywhere, but the general rule is the crops are better in the east and poorer in the west. It's because the general weather setup has been high pressure over the plains, creating more heat and dryness in the western ag belt and getting these ridge-running storms coming up and over the top of the ridge into the eastern belt, and that has helped things there. Um, so I think the real key is going to be how does Iowa do? And, uh, and we're at a critical time right now. I think if the next couple of weeks, if we're able to get some rains in Iowa and get good yields in Iowa, then we're going to do a much better job of the good in the east offsetting the bad in the west. But if Iowa falls short, just can't get those rains, and we see those yields falling and and, and we lose 10 or 20 bushels, um, uh, per acre in Iowa, then that's really going to swing the pendulum the other way and leave us tight on a national basis. So that's key. We've got basically a pattern now where we've got storm systems moving through southern Canada, kind of dragging weak cool fronts through the Midwest. So it really comes back to how much moisture will those fronts have to work with when they cross southern Minnesota, Iowa, 
in the in eastern Nebraska. They have some moisture to interact with and the time to do so in the right ingredients. We may be able to get some rains to hang on and maintain those Iowa, southern Minnesota, eastern, and a lot of eastern Nebraska's already got problems, but Iowa and southern Minnesota yields. But if they fall short, like the forecast they're suggesting is likely going to happen, then we're going to have some problems, and um, and that'll show up in the September and October production estimates. Well, speaking of yields, you guys had your monthly uh, report coming back, your survey of, of your customers. What's what's the feel out there for the month of August? You know, and I, I just talking about the, the threats to the crop in the month of August, and keep in mind that all these production estimates coming out now are basically as of August 1st. And August 1st, you look at the national crop ratings, they were just barely below average for this time of year, although my yield model was at 174.5 or 0.6, something like that, on Monday when I took the crop rating. So it did show below trend yield, but not a bad crop overall. So I was real curious what our customer survey would show. That now becomes our official yield estimate as we do resurvey every month through November. Um, and uh, I don't see the data till it comes out. So somebody asked me yesterday just before it came out, what do you think it's going to show? And I said, you know, I think it'll probably show a 176 for corn. And that's exactly what it did um, on the corn side. Now, I thought the beans would be a little bit higher. I thought it'd show a bean yield around 52, but the bean yield came in at 51.3. Of course, USDA right now is at 177 and 51.5. So just above where our survey estimates came out. It'll make for some interesting times as we start to see at the end of the month. We got those crop tours going on and in some areas to the south, hopefully get some harvest underway. But like you mentioned, some areas just might not be able to, not enough to even chop. Yeah, exactly right. And it's it's a real concern and a real problem going forward. Um, And the balance sheets are tight right now. Not only the domestic balance sheets, um, but the global balance sheets. And uh, basically, I've been saying for the last several weeks that I think we have the opportunity, opportunity, it's not a prediction, but I think we have the opportunity with this forecast to see our yields drop 2 to 5% below trend for corn and soybeans. Well, for soybeans, a 5% drop in yield would almost wipe out the ending stock surplus that USDA currently forecasts, and and that just doesn't happen. The market will ration demand to make sure that doesn't happen. So it does matter this year with these tight balance sheets. All right, we'll stick around, folks. More is coming up as we continue with the second half. We can't ignore China and what has happened with the suspension with Taiwan. We'll talk more about that when we come back. It's the Final Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for the Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We caught up with new dealer Preston Smith from PJ Smith Seeds, who co-owns his business with his wife, Jana, in northeastern Phelps County. So, Preston, tell us about how you got started. We got started with Fontenelle in part for the excellent products that we saw out in the field, but also because of the great people within the brand. Everyone is so supportive and will do anything to help you succeed as a dealer which in the end helps the customer succeed. Well, you did a lot of research. Tell us how you decided on Fontenelle. I really like the focus on Nebraska and and products that work locally. As I started to make contact, I just really felt at home with everybody that I met within the brand. And I know you hear the the Fontenelle family get used a lot, but that's really what it is. It, It truly does feel like a family. If you'd like to join our Fontenelle family and become a dealer, 
Just contact us from the website at Fontenelle.com. RVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. And yesterday, Arlen, I know that I, I saw a couple people making comments on social media of watching the plane to see where it was going to go in regards to everything with Taiwan and China. Now, sometime today or yesterday, China suspended trade with Ta- Taiwan. What's that going to mean for us? Well, that's just the tip of the iceberg, I think, and what they're doing. And and it's really moving up to a final strategy here to reunify Taiwan to itself. Uh, they suspend a trade. They do actually quite a bit of trade with Taiwan. Taiwan has a, tr- a significant economy, just as Hong Kong did. Uh, of course, we know what happened with Hong Kong. Um, but... Uh, um, stopping trade of some fish that they would buy from Taiwan and some fruits that they would buy from Taiwan and some other things, um, but also suspending shipments of what they call natural sand to Taiwan. Now, what is that? I had to do a little bit of digging. Quartz within the natural sand is used to make some of these microchips that are highly sought after that Taiwan makes. And I thought, okay, that could create problems for the tech sector. Now, Taiwan claims that the sand that they get for their microchip production is only about 1% of their need, so not a big deal. But overall, uh, China also starting live fire military exercises in various zones surrounding Taiwan, even including in some of their waters of Taiwan. Um, So they're definitely sending a message. There's even some concerns that Europe may get some retaliatory sanctions from China as a result of Nancy Pelosi visiting uh, Taiwan and leaving there early this morning. So um, I think this is going to continue to be a factor. We'll probably see some uh, other sanctions. It's interesting to notice. I talked to my employees from China. They're monitoring this news back home. Um, Social media back there was really critical of the Chinese government saying, you know, you've been punishing us and being so strict with us and on the COVID guidelines, but all you've done with the United States is slap its hands. Um, so they feel very strongly that Taiwan belongs to them and that the United States has violated their sovereignty and, uh, they, and they want action. So, uh, you, it's interesting that this last week we also saw China take steps to approve importing soy meal from Brazil. This is after they recently finally got a phytosanitary agreement to import corn from Brazil. Well, they currently get soybeans from Brazil, and they have a huge crush industry in China that only runs at about 60% of capacity. So why would they want to import soy meal? Well, if the U.S. put sanctions on them to stop sending soybeans to them because they make a move on Taiwan that we don't like, well, then they can get soy meal from Brazil. Now, that means a lot of Brazil's customers would have to come to us to get their needs met, but at least that gets China by if they want to make a move on Taiwan. So things are really moving and dynamics are really changing. And and this is another black potential black swan event or market disruptor that we're monitoring. And then you got to add to the fact that we saw some movement of grain out of Ukraine, which does bring some good news for Ukrainian farmers. Yeah, we saw the first load go out uh, a couple of days ago, and now they got other boats. Uh, 16 or 17 in all 
um, 16, 15 were ready, two of them were close to ready um, to move out. The uh, first it said there's going to be a convoy now, looks like one at a time moving through those passageways that have been agreed to. Um, this is getting the ships that were trapped out. They still haven't worked out the details for insurance and being able to get crews willing to work ships coming back. I think that's going to be the real test. Every ship wants to get out, and it is well take grain with them while they're doing so to help pay the bill. The question is, will they come back? That's going to be the true test. Let's look at the protein sector quick. Are we seeing a shift in product demand? Uh, we are, and I think during the spring we talked about how we're really seeing because of the high inflation and consumer sentiment was low, the consumer was making a shift a value shift down the value chain, moving from steaks to hamburger and from beef to pork and pork to poultry. Um, but we're not seeing that now this summer. Over the last 30, 45 days, we've seen a shift back the other direction. And we've seen it in the product demand. We've seen it in product prices. We've seen it in the choice select spread in, in beef, that the consumer demand here in the United States has been strong. And that has supported strong cash hog prices and it has helped sustain cattle prices. Now, as we get into the fourth quarter this year, we should start seeing the number of cattle start to decline. Right now, we still got the numbers there, um, but overall, it's an interesting to see the strength that we've seen in product prices here in recent days and weeks. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? StoneX.com. We're over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.